There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 700. Whoa. That's, <laughs> so this is it, right? We made it to the goal. No, that was not. That was, we're we're, we're going to keep making but more. You Kyle. Kept putting that X marks about seven hundred. After no. that, that seven hundred one, the portal opens. I never actually said that. I could have sworn you were like, mm. "We got this portal. The demons no. come out." Nope, you don't pay attention. It's weird. The, the logo to the podcast. Well, you're, you're the, pay attention to fake things. Demon portal. No, right. no, demon no nothing. Portal. We're, we're going to continue to make shows after seven hundred. It's like when you dream that you already like did your chores, and then you wake up and you realize it was a dream. But then you still have to yeah, do your chores. Doing, it's like this. Yeah. I guess we're all going to live. Hey, guess what? We have finally announced the other guests for the second Nerdist Podcast Live Ooh. at San Diego. So, first Nerdist Podcast Live, Saturday, July 11th, is uh, Peter Capaldi and uh, Sir Ben Kingsley. That's the uh, early show, the 7.30 show. And the 10 o'clock show, uh, Maisie Williams uh, mm. from Game of Thrones, Tom Hiddleston what? from Tom Hiddleston, and Guillermo del Toro. So, <laughs> oh, it's no. pretty amazing. No, I'm jealous. Yeah. He's the greatest. Guillermo is amazing. He's the, my favorite person. Hiddleston's pretty great, too. And so that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's our second show. So Maisie, Hiddleston, and uh, You guys Guillermo. are just ha- doing a live fan fiction. This is just... It is like live fan fiction. Yeah. It is like live fan fiction. We're mashing up Guillermo and Game of Thrones and... Because uh, and Hidd- Guillermo directed Crimson Peak, which Hiddleston is in. Oh, Which okay. looks fucking awesome. Super good. And uh, yeah, so that's it. Go to um, funcomfortabletour.com or ticketmaster.com oh to get God, tickets. There's a chance and, uh, that somewhere backstage, Gilmore Toro is going to call Doctor Who a cocksucker. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> you think that's going to happen? Oh, for sure. That's his just just pronoun for people. <laughs> but it's a, it's a it's, it's loving over here. It's loving. Yeah, travels across the universe. It's the greatest. I love Gilmore. What else you got on the nurse community? I have board? the most specific thing we've ever gotten, and I I love this man's plight. Uh, this is from a man named John Parrott. Who was sent in, and he is basically crowdsourcing the Nerdist audience right now. Chris, do you remember a show hosted by Leonard Nimoy in the 80s called Standby Lights, Camera, Action? I remember In Search Of. This is a different thing, because this was Leonard Nimoy hosted an anthology show. And this guy is trying to find, it's an episode, and he's describing it. They were all short films on this show that Leonard Nimoy was the host for. He needs to know what the name of this was and where he can find it on the internet. So are we ready, Nerdist Podcast? Here we go. It was a short film about a small, box-like robot servant whose owner became increasingly dependent on it. The owner's friend, who was worried he was going too far, took the servant away. Uh, to show him how bad it gotten, but then himself got dependent on the robot servant, who in the end told him to calm down and dispensed him a cigarette to calm him down. It was a real dark Twilight Zone kind of thing about how dependent we've become on technology. He pointed out that it's really like kind of exactly how we are today with our phones and all that kind of stuff. So if people know, where can they reach out to okay, him? Okay, so this is where it gets real fucked up, because this guy didn't have the audacity to fucking get a Twitter or a Facebook account, but he has a live journal account, because it's 2002. <laughs> so, John, I'm going to shame you right now, because I'm being real specific for this, but fucking get on it. 
be a person. His live journal account is cow boy holesler h o s l e r dot livejournal dot com. So if we could do a combination of a find out what this is because now I want to know as well, and b give him a little bit of shit for only having a live journal and tell him to get a Twitter account. Yeah, these people. Okay, great. Uh, Katie, you got something real fast? Yeah, I want to remind people at Comic-Con, uh, we're doing a bunch of cool stuff with the podcast. We have the Podcast Network panel on Friday at 4.30 at the Horton Grant Theater. And right before that is a live Bizarre Stage with Jessica Chobot and Ooh. Andrew Bowser. Uh, and on the panel is Pete Holmes, Camille Nanjiani, Emily Gordon, Gil, 12-year-old Gil, Sandra Doherty, Matt Myra, and then it's hosted by Jonah. And tickets are kind of confusing for it. Like, you have to go to the sales pavilion uh, which is part of the convention center at 9 a.m. and enter this lottery. But if you just show up, you'll probably get in. All right, good to know. Try to get tickets, but then just show up. And oh, my God. I'm, I'm just bracing out. for Comic-Con You're going to die. Do you remember last year how much you were like, man, I really scaled it back and it was great. Yeah, I didn't. And by scaling it back last year, I only did like eight panels. I grew to 12 this year. Jesus Christ. 12 panels. You're going to be bleeding from your Two live podcasts, one live comedy show. He's going to have no voice. Your hour is just you sobbing. There's like weird press in between. And then we have the Nerdist. We have the Nerdist Carnival there, which is basically our big thing at Petco Park. Which we did in co-production with um, uh, Geek and Sundry with Felicia Day and Amy Poehler, Smart Girls, and so it's this bit. There's like laser tag and jousting and games and photo booths and all sorts of weird. We're doing a big party the Friday night, so it's it's going to be really like Lydia was going to go to Comic Con, and I was and finally I was like, I don't think you should go to Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be alone the whole time. <laughs> She'll never see you. I don't think you're gonna. You're not, you're not, I'll never see you. I will never see you. I'll just be working. I, I like. I don't. Like, that's a that's a brutal schedule yeah. to, to just do. It someone. I can't fathom that. Yeah. That's so madman. I would like now. You may not necessarily know Scott Weinger's name if I just said it, but if you see Scott Weinger, go, oh that guy. Scott has been a friend of mine forever. He is one of the dearest, sweetest, uh, funniest. I love him to death. I absolutely love Scott Weinger to death. I Scott Weinger I knew in the old drinking days. Yeah. And Scott is the voice of Aladdin. Fucking Aladdin. It's the voice of Aladdin. And he was also on Full House a bunch. And I met him through Saget. Steve. And that's how, that's how we became friends. And, uh, and, and then he became a writer. He's a super smart guy. Went Black-ish. to Harvard. He's a Harvard boy. But a wonderful guy. And um, just someone that I'm really good friends with that I adore. So I wanted to have him on. And, uh, and he was great. And it is, you do, his regular, his voice is Aladdin's voice. Yeah. So it's not like he affects his voice to become Aladdin. So we're just interviewing Aladdin. So it sounds like the whole time you could just picture Aladdin. But it is, if you're not used to it, you're like, that's weird. Aladdin is mar- has a wife and kids. And, and I mean, like, clearly regular, moved regular forward dude. with yeah. his life. I mean, that was just a fun part of his you know, late teens, but he's got to move on. Yeah. He can't be a prince forever. Yeah. I mean, you after, can be a prince forever. After that whole 40 yeah. thieves yeah. debacle. You can? You can? Weird. Well, eventually you might be king yeah. if, the, if the king dies. Well, yeah. But I guess if you die that first, then ultimately works. you're prince forever. Here's another podcast number 700 with Scott Weinger. Now entering Nerdist.com. With some regularity, but it was so it was a long time ago now. It was a really long time ago. But uh, Katie's already recording, by the way, and you can say whatever you want. Um, Scott Weinger, 
Hi, Chris. It's amazing that you're finally on the podcast. You have no idea how excited I am. I'm a huge fan. You're ridiculous. Uh, Scotty and I were part of the the Saget cleanup crew. Yeah, of really the uh, the, er- <laughs> the uh, what was the pub in uh, Westwood? Was that the place you guys? Madison's, were? Yeah. Madison's, and uh, and we used to go to Q's a lot. We used to go to Q's in West LA. I guess because that's Bob lives near all those places, so that's why. Yeah, we he's a West Sider, yeah. and I was a West Sider at the time. Yeah, that, back then you lived in in Westwood. Yes, I, I was at I was at which your was in very sad for a thirty year old. So, but you know, it was cool. You had you had all those. Um, all those like butterflies and stuff. Still like, got them. Yeah, so cool. I went in your place. I was because we used to just go out drinking a lot and like, I, and then I, I went to your place. I was like, oh, there's there's a whole side of Chris I don't know about. Like, yeah. he's a secret taxidermist. <laughs> secret taxidermist. Which, by the way, uh, has the collection has grown. I gotta see it. So now it's because you don't. We're neighbors now, so we, I got to come over and see you. Do you still your... live in that house right down the hill? No, I moved. I moved. moved but, I, but just around the corner. Right. Same neighbors. It's like our, our third house in the same So neighbor. not only did I know you separately, but then your wife, Rena, wrote on the f- sitcom that I did in 1998. Yeah. What, what was it? It was uh, Guys Like Us? Guys Like guys Us. Guys Like Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rena, Rena Mamoun. She loves a huge fan. She's, she's great. A, she's a huge fan. And so it's, it's always funny when you have friends from two different groups who then you're like, how did you guys meet? Yeah, like, it's how true. How did you guys get to you know, know it's uh, I It's such a boring story. By the way... Um, it's not a boring marriage. It's great. That's good. But um, but the the way we met is good so... Sit. And Wanga with a same. <laughs> Love you, dear. No, but like it's such a boring it's such a boring story that we people say, how did you meet? And it's just we met at a party. I was with a friend and, and my and my friend goes, That's Rena Mamoon, she's really cute, I'll introduce you. Right. And the and rest like, is history. And then you were like smash cut. I can show you the world. I, I probably waited till the first date to drop that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it's, I, it's it's a funny it's funnier when she tells the story. But we like she kept like putting off our date. You know, I was just some dude she met at a party, and she was getting ready to go out with me one night, and uh, and uh, she was at work. I think she was working on Gilmore Girls at the time. And somebody Gilmore's like, so who is this dude? And she's like, he's a writer guy. She's like, well, let's let's Google him. Let's um you know do our you know, recon. And she's like, I don't think he's very Googleable. I don't think there's any. Just, <laughs> and so she, her friend Googled me and she went, holy shit, we hit the Google mother load. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Wanger, for those of you who don't know, uh, the voice of Aladdin. Yeah, man. Which was, uh, which now that people are hearing, they're like, holy shit. And your voice has not changed it's, since the early 90s. You know, it's got, it's, I think I've aged a little bit, but the character has aged with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, they still, I still go in. Every once in a while, they'll call, they're like, we're doing, their, there's a new parade at Disneyland Tokyo, and you need to be like, hey, everybody, you know, whatever. Oh, wow. And, um, and video games. There's always because there's always new technology and new formats. And like we did this this super cool connect thing where it was like a tour of Disneyland where the characters interact with you. Yeah. And so I had to do all the recording for that. You know, in the old days when you would make like a toy, you, it would be you know they press the button and Aladdin talks. So you'd say like one or two things and you know here's your check and like thanks for the five minutes of your time. Now it's so interactive you have to record every possible response. So it takes a long time. You got to slip a weird one so, in there, like you're the only one who can understand me. Like just <laughs> freak the oh, kid you out. again. <laughs> you again. again. <laughs> it's it's I get a kick out of it, and it's funny that um, all these years later, it's still such a like a big part of my life. All that. Am I too far away from the microphone? You can hold it, yeah. If you want oh. to get out of the, the stand, though, I 
I'll f- just do this. It's the way to go. Really? You I just don't know. I feel like it'll, then it's going to get knocked. I like knocked. to do this. I like to put the... I, I like to rest oh, I like the thing. That. On, I like that. Uh, right here. That's on my, good. On my Watch your coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, That's nice. nice. Um, I like this. So, yeah. But the weird... So, the Aladdin thing... Uh, that movie came out in 1992. I like, remember. Like, you weren't even born yet. I was way born. And I was very much an adult and, <laughs> and saw it way born. several times. I was way born. That's the opposite of being stillborn. I was way born. <laughs> so I was super born by then. I was so born. I, I, I was in like the 40th trimester by that point. <laughs> uh, this isn't going to work. I'm just going to lean in. But I not only did I see that, I mean, that... My favorite, my favorite Disney movie was uh, Jungle Book originally, mm-hmm. but then when I saw Aladdin, because there was such, the, you know, the Robin Williams element of it and the writing and the jokes, it, like it was, it was a real comedy movie as opposed to like it's a family, you know, like yeah. there was that really, it was a really strong, and so as a as a twenty year old, nineteen year old. I love. I fucking loved the shit out of that movie. Yeah, it really did change. The funny thing is, it, it had that had uh, it, that sort of changed the way they make animated movies now with sort of huge celebrities. You know, in the old days, they would just have auditions. And I think Robin Williams, the star power that he brought, like that people associated him with that character so strongly that after that, they were like, well, you know, let's get. You know, some let's get Leonardo DiCaprio to do the voice of whatever. You know, I feel like I was very fortunate that as just some kid on a sitcom, I was able to get that part before the era of hiring just like you know megastars to do. Because I in '94 I auditioned for Hercules, which did not do as well as Aladdin. They did a Hercules. I think it still did. Well, you know, they had a they, that was an amazing run. I mean, Disney they keep having amazing. It runs. did okay. I mean, that yeah. the guy that voiced Hercules is not going in for voice. Co- they're not like putting him in a parade. I haven't seen Hercules <laughs> in the park in forever. Yeah, but Aladdin yeah. an animated series after that though, right? Yeah, Hercules. In fact, I did I did a couple episodes of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Aladdin made some appearances in the Hercules series, but but well, wait, a timeline so doesn't try, get the time try not to any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Is <laughs> the historical element just doesn't check out. Yeah, okay. The also, only, wait, now the magic carpet can fly and I, go back in time. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm just getting some. Of yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, getting I mean, somebody else's residual checks. To tell me that <laughs> genie, <laughs> who you set free <laughs> foolishly, uh, could Still somehow more, right? kick. <laughs> I, we did so much Aladdin stuff. It's cra- we did well. We did that. Then we did the. There were two move sequels, and then we did a series. Well, yeah, because the, you had yeah you did the series because yeah. you had Gilbert Godfrey too as the yeah. and and, yeah. and we had uh, Dan Castellaneta as the genie. He oh, did. Wow. So we had Homer was the the genie. For there was the, there was, the a, there was a pretty great joke on Brooklyn Nine Nine where his char- where uh, 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 Andy Andy Samberg's character said he like he quotes he says something about like by Iago and she was like <laughs> oh I didn't know you were a, you know I didn't know you were a literature fan he was like what are you talking about I'm quoting the parrot from Aladdin like, <laughs> so that still people are still people it, it is funny to be that it's to have lived long enough to see it become like an old classic now yeah. they're getting ready to re-release it um, it's coming out of the vault it's a, yeah it's coming out of the vault Blu-ray and it, I just got wined and dined by the Disney publicity people and 69 uh, they, they said that's in the if I play my cards right <laughs> <laughs> and basically uh, pass you know, <laughs> over an envelope <laughs> You've wined me and dined me. Uh, so you've been to Club 33. You've been to Club 69. <laughs> Have you been to Club 33? Oh, yeah, lots of oh, times. Oh, you son of a Lots of times. Of course you are. Of course. I, yeah, it's really funny. I, I spent so much time. The funny thing is I spent a ton of time at Disneyland, but when I was a kid, there were... 
I spent months at Disney World around the Aladdin era because we did, not only did we do... We had to do that full house that was from we there. We did the two no episodes reason. that same oh, yeah. year. For exactly. No we did a back-to-back full house episode there. So there was one year I spent like two months at in Disney World, and they treat you really great. You know, Disney, they know how to make sure you know take care of you there you know it was it was an incredible experience like they would have these they call them plaids guys in plaid that take mm-hmm. care of you know take you from place to place yeah and i was a teenager and it was an incredible incredible experience right. but i remember i had i was there and i was there so much that i was going to miss my college interviews so i scheduled an interview in orlando with some like alumnus from a school and one of the Disney people in plaid had to take me to my <laughs> <laughs> I remember the guy was like who the hell is this kid showing up with that don't you worry about him you, yeah, went, exactly. you went to Harvard didn't you uh, yeah yeah, yeah. You're, you're Harvard boy yeah I uh, class of 98 wow I know it's crazy it's, it uh, is crazy and, and, but you're were you, you there during know, the Rivers years? Rivers Cuomo years? Ish, but he was way too cool. Like, we didn't overlap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but he, uh, he, um, it was known that he was there. Yeah. Dude from Weezer is here. <laughs> <laughs> did you write for lamp- so, the Lampoon? No, I did it. You know, the funny thing is, in, in retrospect, that was a poor choice to make, was to not do that, because I didn't know, at the time, I had no conception that my career was going to go in the TV writing direction. I didn't, that really wasn't my ambition. I don't know what was my ambition. I just sort of, Wanted to keep doing what I was doing at the time. I had a weird college experience because I was still doing acting stuff, you know, I would, and still doing the Aladdin cartoons. Finally, they found a studio in Boston where we would go record. Uh, but before that, I would be going to LA or going to New York. And then finally, they, we found a studio in, in Boston. But I was also working for Good Morning America. I was like a news correspondent for, like the youth correspondent for Good Morning America. So they would, Send, it was like they would send me all over the world, basically. If uh, I would get a call on a Wednesday, like, we want you to do a story on young Americans in Prague. Can you be there on Friday? And I'd be like, absolutely. And I'd throw some stuff in a bag and go to Prague. It was How did a, you juggle that with school? I was used to it from high school. You know? oh, okay. Like, I was used to that sort of, you know, and there were plenty of times where I would take the red eye back to Boston and take my luggage with me straight to class. Jesus. But, you know, when you're a kid, you don't, you don't need much sleep, you know, and if you, you know, you, I don't think I would be able to survive that kind of schedule now, although you do. I, th- I feel like you, you're that busy right now. It's a little crazy. I feel like you, your empire is very time consuming. No, no, it's, it, 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 the, the, the schedule is a little demanding, but, but then I also always remind myself, like, well... The alternative is, I mean, I remember what it was like to sit around and everything I'm working yeah. on. It's not like I don't like any of it. So it's, you it's know, fun. it's just kind of getting through the occasional, like, I'm just okay, you know, and yeah, yeah. just being, uh, being mildly cranky because uh, I'm tired. 20 minute power nap. But it's not bad. Yeah. 20 minute power yeah. naps. Where, what did you major in? Uh, I did English, English lit mostly. And then I did a lot of, I got really into French. So I started, I just studied a lot of French. I remember too. that. I remember being at a bar with you and then you broke out French with some. <laughs> like, Holy shit! It's a good parlor trick. No, but it's uh, it's <laughs> it's like at a cocktail party. No, it uh, I it was I went there when I was like seventeen to Paris. Um, I, I had no interest in it. This girlfriend of mine dragged me there, kicking and screaming. I wanted to go to like sit on a beach somewhere, and uh, and I immediately I just fell in love with the place. I was like, someday I'm going to live here and I'm going to speak the language. And so when I went to college, that was like priority number one: learn French. So I started taking French A, which, was, which wasn't easy. But then I ended up in France a lot for the Good Morning America stuff. And just like a couple of days there at a time would really help. It like gave me a little boost so I was able to catch up. So how would you, how would you welcome... Uh... By the way, my French... I, 
I heard your podcast with Hillary Swank, yeah. where she spoke French. Yeah. That was adorable. I don't think it's adorable when I do it. I'm, no, it's really cool. So. Your French is really cool. Like, welcome. Say, let's say, let's say you're in Paris and you're gonna take people on a ride in the metro, and you're walking the, welcoming them to Good Morning America in Paris. <laughs> I don't know how you would say what? it. That was a confusing That's premise to so, start with. So you're you're in the subway. You know, you Hold come on. up with your so own broadcasting test. live <laughs> from the subway. Here's a premise: uh, you're Aladdin at Euro Disney. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <you're> fine. <laughs> I don't even. I don't know how you would say like carpet. Let's go in French. <laughs> <laughs> Tapis, allons-y. <laughs> there you go. Done. So. Done. That was a lot better than being a correspondent on Good Morning America, welcoming someone to the metro. <laughs> All right. So, but I, you know, sometimes I like the circuitous route. All right. I like how practical it was. Though. <laughs> All right. People got to so, know where the metro is. So what I would like you to do is tell Willard Scott, great job. On wishing all those people happy. Yeah, birthday. exactly. Wish now, someone just turned 108. <laughs> and it's Tuesday. Go. Uh, did you did you do uh, did you do the French version of Aladdin? Did you, did you dub it in no, French? I, you know, I, I used to joke with them that I could. And in fact, there was I ended up when I was in college. I lived there for like six months. I was working on my thesis. I did like a semester abroad. But they needed me, so they would send me to a studio there. Wherever I was, they would find me, and a car would come and bring me to a studio wherever I was. So they tag you. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Get in the car with Jacques. <laughs> and uh, so I recorded in France, and that was like my fantasy that I would get that good that I could do that, but I never quite got there. It, it wasn't quite there yeah. yet. Well, it sounded really good whenever I hear you rattle it off. It always That's sounded, it always well, you sounded know, really good. I, I, try to keep, I try to keep up with it because it really is a thing that you lose if you don't exercise you know the, sure you, your brain just doesn't you just forgets you know like an appendage that you, you don't should go talk to roland the guy you got coffee from I, I i had this little fantasy that i was like if i worked on this lot i'd speak french to roland every day <laughs> yeah. I, and uh <laughs> but that'd be I, the that'd be the that'd be the perfect reason to get a job here and give up all of your tv writing is just so you could be to here be, and talk to, to be to with him. bonjour roland <laughs> I, you know honestly i i have history with this lot this was like one of my my first exciting showbiz jobs was on this lot because I, I came out here when I was to LA when I was a kid. I was like 13. Came out here with my mom to go on auditions and had a pretty uneventful summer. There wasn't a lot. Nobody told us summer really there isn't Shows aren't in production. There's nothing really to do but hang out at Oakwood and, you know, go swimming. <laughs> and and uh, so, but in any, any case, uh, I got on the, literally on the way to the airport audition for a commercial that shot here. It was this huge campaign. This is the Nerdist, so you guys are going to remember it. It was for the Amiga computer. Of course. And so we did, we did a whole huge campaign with, there was, there was the one where Stevie, the little boy genius on his computer, makes the house go up in the sky, lift up. And then there was one with all these celebrities, like... The Pointer Sisters and okay, Astronaut. Hold up. Yeah, it's on there. You can find it on YouTube. And so we did, and like all these celebrities come to my house, like Tommy Lasorda and the Pointer Sisters <laughs> and Bert Bacharach, wow. and astronauts like Buzz Aldrin came and, uh, you know, because he needed advice with the new, for the new space station on my Amiga. <laughs> And so, but it, that was like, Kid, what do I do in space? No bullshit. Yeah, it was literally like, I need help with Stevie with the new plans for the new space station, you know. <laughs> I would do like like Amiga commercial on YouTube or something. I'm sure it's there. I, I put it on Twitter one. Amiga time, commercial right? like Buzz Aldrin so, or just like yeah, plug exactly, a couple yeah, something names like that. And you know, the Pointer Sisters. The Pointer Sisters. <laughs> it was really funny. The premise was that this kid is so inc- he's basically Leonardo da Vinci thanks to his Amiga computer. And like a- anything you need help with, he can come to your house and help you with. And so uh, we did one where the ha- what, there's the house lifts, the celebrities come. 
what was the oh there was another one where I tricked the girl next door into thinking I'm winning a Grammy or something like what? that. It's like the best new artist of the year is Stevie, whatever. What did and you what did you hack the Grammy? So I know or... I hacked her house. There was a cable going from my computer to her TV. So we were able to put the graphics up on her screen and make her think that I was really winning the award. There was a, there, I'm sure there were a lot of disappointed kids who didn't really understand networks at that, that, that point. Yeah, exactly. That didn't understand how. Well, it's like you wrote that commercial. It really sounds French like exactly. Metro. Good morning. America. All right, all right. Yeah, it was. But that, we remember. We remember that. That's what happened. We yeah. remember that it was a bad. If you, I think that's why they went out of business because when kids realized you couldn't make your house levitate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. House does not actually levitate. <laughs> When did you uh, when did you this get was, on Full House? Full House that was I I, I you know I, I I did an episode once. I they brought me on to be like DJ's hunky teenage boy date. And it was like one a one off, one episode and then the next season they hired me to be um, by the way I could refer to myself as hunky because that was 25 years ago and I don't think I'm that hunky anymore. I'm like a, <laughs> a gray-haired dad. <laughs> but uh, but any, and then the following year they brought me on as a regular. So I did about I did two seasons as a regular, and then I came back for the finale. I, I did. I think I did about fifty total episodes. Oh, Are wow. you popping into the? They, yeah, they they asked me to. They, you know. So oh, I you said, gotta do it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I said I'd be happy to. I was Absolutely. hoping you were the one that died. Me. Well, you know that, that. By the way, I was always like, I always <laughs> thought if if I was ever gonna reboot Full House. I'd make Steve's dead, DJ's a widow, and she and Gibbler and Stephanie have to raise the kids. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect but, sense. And then th- they actually did that, but fortunately, she didn't marry me. She married some other dead guy. And so <laughs> I, I, get to, I get to live. Oh, maybe you get to come back. Interest. No, maybe he comes back knows? as like a Jesse character, you know, but he's like the ex-boyfriend, so it's kind of sad. So, <laughs> you know it would be really amazing if, if that uh, – th- now, if I, if I had the rights to something like Full House, mm-hmm. I would start it off as a sitcom – and then there would be a trail of bodies all around DJ, and then it would be this like weird, like psychological yes. uh, serial killer, th- like this thing just humming in the background that pays off like after a couple seasons. Interesting. She's like the, the, the like the Black Widow. Kid yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's it. That's that's my mom. Aren't you astronauts? Yes, ma'am. We like to compare notes with Stevie on the new space station. Hey, the Pointer Sisters. We need Stevie's help with our new album. The Amiga computer. What can it do? Well, what do you want it to do? I need some more help. Mr. O'Neill. Upstairs for Stevie. Amiga from Commodore. The computer for the creator's mind. That's so funny. Wow. That that was the short version. We did a long one where you actually see me like like yelling at Tommy Lasorda. No, you got to put him on third. Whatever. You know. <laughs> Who the, the other actor? The, the, there was the. The mom and dad. Yeah, I mean, I don't. You know, it's funny. I don't. But that guy, names. that guy's a famous character actor. I, he, he he does a lot. They both work a ton. I think he uh, Doogie Howser. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like he might have been in it. I feel like he just oh, did the he dad. just pass away. I think I think you know now that that commercial. I think the people are starting to drop like flies from that commercial. I the think. curse, <laughs> the curse of the Amiga commercial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're no. all very well aware. It's going to pay yeah, off in several decades. Exactly. <laughs> the curse. I found they're the all going to live another thirty you years. Been a long one. Okay, good. Long like version. Forty-seven thousand views. That's Wanger. crazy. Only four people don't like it. Aren't you astronauts? Buzz Aldrin, Gordon Cooper, Scott Carpenter. We like to compare notes with Stevie on the new space station. <laughs> oh, that hair. Hi, tell me the for Stevie. No, it's um, just a question about moving Randolph to the number two position. Yes. 
check in and this will work. It's perfect. Hi. Hi. We're the Pointer Sisters. David's expecting us. Well, come in. We need help with our new album. The Amiga. Color, sound, graphics, power. At a price to make it truly the computer for the creative mind. What can the Amiga do? Well, what do you want it to do? Mr. O'Neill, CB is upstairs, but it's kind of crowded. Would you like some fried chicken while you're waiting? Amiga from Commodore. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was weird yeah. before to just have Tip O'Neill short with a chicken leg. But, but, all of your brains didn't question it. You're no. just like, yeah, uh, Tip O'Neill would have chicken. In, 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 the, in the abbreviated version, they just thought that for the Speaker of the House brought over chicken. <laughs> I, I had an amazing... I met, so I was freaking out because, you know, some of those celebrities, you know, I was a 13-year-old kid, so some of them, I wasn't that excited. My mom was very excited, but I, and then some of them I was blown away, but one day Buzz Aldrin came into the school trailer to go to the bathroom, and I was like, this is my moment with Buzz Aldrin. And I was like, Mr. Aldrin, when you look at the moon at night, how does it feel to think I walked there? (laughs) He like waited a beat and went, good. (laughs) <laughs> and that was it I, I didn't catch him on a chatty day Jeez. Uh, but, but it was I, that's exactly what I would probably say it feels like yeah. how do you describe walking on the freaking moon yeah you know so do you good I, I, I thought it was interesting that they that uh they were they were upset that the that the Olsen twins are not going to be on Full House the reboot. But but what's puzzling about it is how would that have worked? Would they swap one out every other? Yeah, scene? they would just trade them when one got tired or yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, that's or she point. never recovered from that horse accident. Uh, <laughs> well, the finale. There's two Michelles. Gotcha. Horse. Yeah, oh so, yeah. Yeah. So God, I forgot about. It. But yeah, I, you know, it, the reason why there are twins is because you, when you hire very little kids, they can work very limited. Of course. Hours. Yeah. So, but yeah, then what do you do when they're you know, thirty years old or whatever? I don't know. But I, uh, I, I don't know how this whole thing came together. All I know is that they were like, "We're doing this. Are you interested?" And I said, "Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like fun." Did you record a lot with Robin on Aladdin, or did you uh, record separately? Uh, we both. We did a little bit of both. In, in fact, uh, the, you know, he improvised a lot. You know, there's a lot of solitary recording time on these animated movies. You know, hours and hours of. Every line said a million ways, and then weird sounds like now you're hanging from a cliff. Now someone's stepping on your fingers and it hurts, and you're almost gonna fall. You know, and you have to make all these oh yeah, you know, forever. But in the beginning, everybody records together like an old like a radio show, and then um, you know. But with Robin, he would improvise a lot, so you couldn't just read dialogue to match up with his. You would have to sort of respond. So we did we did some recording together, and in fact, I used to. Uh, I started to tell the story at the press junket, like, oh, that he was so funny one day in the room, I fell down laughing because I thought, I guess it must have happened. But I told the story so many times over the years that I was like, I don't remember that happening. I remember the story, but now it's, I've told it so many times and it was so long ago, I don't remember if that's a true story. Oh, wow. And then uh, <laughs> might have just been something I said at the press junket You're one day. You lying piece no, of shit. But, no, but then the, <laughs> the DVD came out however many years ago and in the extras, it's on film. They caught it, me falling down on the floor. So it actually it. did happen. I was like, holy crap, I wasn't lying. They actually, <laughs> so you really were ROTFLOL. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. They actually got, exactly. Pixar, they got Pixar to do that, to cover, <laughs> to cover your ass. Just so that I was, yeah, thanks guys. They used an Amiga. 
<laughs> you could do anything on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this was, of, of course, before, before really yeah. everyone had access to the internet, but you somehow, with your Amiga, were networked that you could I was do. able to do it. Well, that's like I'm watching that show, The Americans, where this, like, what do they call it, the ARPNet or something? ARPA. Ar- yeah, Ar- ARPANET. Ar- yeah. It's, and they're like, what, what do you mean the computers can talk to each other? It's, so it's fun watching that. Yeah, yeah, ARPA was it's where the it's basically where the what ultimately became the internet was just a, a research project to try to so that people could communicate communicate. communicate. I, when I was in when I was a freshman in college, that was the first year that they connected all the dorms to the internet, and it wasn't even in the walls. There were all these every dorm had like yellow you know blue wires hanging from the walls, and uh, it was very exciting. Well, did you ever use your Aladdin cred to uh, kiss a girl? No, you know, and it's funny because uh, I. <laughs> All right, finger a girl. No, Matt, come on. <laughs> come on, Matt. Matt. Come no. on. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. definitely. No, not kiss, though. <laughs> you, uh, you, you, you offered to rub here. their lamp? <laughs> I, uh, I never, you know, it's so funny. Now that, now that I, I don't think of myself as, like, a celebrity in any, you know, like, I just go to work every day. Like, I write on TV shows, and I don't, I don't do the act. The, in fact, this is the first, I don't remember... This is really weird for me, even doing this. Like, I don't really do any interviews, interviews and yeah. stuff. Like, and uh, I hope I'm doing all right. I'm enjoying it. It's your, yeah, so it's going very well. So but far. Uh, but I never like back in the day when I was doing it all the time and it was a normal thing. To, you know, uh, I, I I I never. I was always a girlfriend guy. I never. I was never like, hey. I, you ever you ever heard of a little show called Full House? <laughs> no, never. I never. I, I never really. Uh, and I have a friend. I have a crazy friend who's like, man, what's wrong with you? He goes, I've gotten laid because I know you. <laughs> He's like, you don't take advantage of this. Your yeah, friend's just- a creep. Yeah, he's a creepy guy. I was like, he just, but maybe he goes around with a fez and tells everybody he's Aladdin. Yeah. Aladdin so. entourage is basically just entourage, but with all the Aladdin characters. Yeah, and, and he's the star's not there. He's not. Yeah, but but I, uh, um, yeah, I never, I, yeah, I always enjoyed it. I always got a kick. I was very lucky. I had like a weird childhood because I would come out here and do all this acting stuff, and then I would go back to Florida to my, you know, to my regular school and have a normal life. In fact, I once went to. Uh, <laughs> when I was first getting into TV writing, I went to Disney Channel and I was like, I got a great idea for a show. I pitched it. I was like, it's like the best of both worlds. He comes out here and he's famous and then he goes home and he's just a normal kid. And they were like, they looked at each other. Are you aware we have this show called Hannah Montana? <laughs> it's like literally that, like literally the song is, it's the best of both worlds. That's the song. I was like, oh, so, okay. Cause I got other ideas. Yeah. It's called so, Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Jewish comedian. <laughs> the show's called Florida, Florida. Her name's Florida. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Florida, Florida. Sort of the ugly sister. Florida. 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 When did you start writing for television? And how? You know, I got into that. It's funny. I'm I'm not kidding. I never, it was never my ambition. And it's funny now because I've been doing it for a long time and it's kept me busy and I really love it. But at the time, I never, I never took notice of the writers when I was a kid actor. Like for me, they were, they would show up for the run-throughs and rehearsals and laugh really, really hard at their own jokes. And and now I'm one of those guys. But um, I, I, I think the first time I got the idea to write a spec episode of a TV show was Remember when Bob Saget had that show on the WB? Raising Dad. Raising Dad, exactly. Staff writer BJ J. Novak. Novak. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and, and I was like, oh, I'm going to write me one of those. Because I was like, I, I've been to the tapings, and he's my friend, and I'm going to write one. And I wrote one, 
And it was really fun. Like, they never made it or anything. You know, like, they read it and they were like, oh, this is really good. Thanks. You know, that was yeah, it. Yeah. But, like, the, the, like the, the idea of, like, putting it together and coming up with the act breaks and the story and the conflicts and everything, like, I just really enjoyed it. So then I just, I kept going. And I eventually, I, I really, truly did start, um, you know, at the bottom. Like, I, I went to work uh, as an assistant to a director, uh, like, a very, like, very busy, prolific TV director who liked my scrub spec. He's like, come be my assistant. I'm going to direct all these pilots. And he, and one of the pilots that he directed, they hired me as their writer's assistant when it got picked up and they gave me a script. They gave me an episode. And then, and then that was sort of it. What was that show? That was a show called like family. It was another WB sitcom Mm -hmm. told unrelated, like just a, that was just a coincidence. Which director? I wonder if I know the the guy's name was Barnett Kelman. And he, he, you know, he's, he, he directed, he's sort of, been around forever he directed the pilots for murphy brown and mad about you and suddenly susan like hugely successful prolific guy now he's like i think he started the tv comedy department at usc so he's like sort of a professor is his full-time job now but i was literally it was a really weird situation because i was heating up he was on the zone diet and he'd be like find a microwave and microwave this for me and i'd like walk into a casting office and they'd be like hey scott are you here for the audition i was like no no i just got to microwave this food i'm a writer i gotta microwave this food yeah exactly (laughs) but like it was really weird because then i would uh, some of the pilots none of the people were known i was the only relatively like known person on the floor of the show so i'd be literally like bringing handing out copies of scripts and then signing autographs for people (laughs) and it was a very awkward really weird you know it was a very uh like i had to check my ego at the door to really do it but but you know i'm glad i did it because i feel like uh there you know as as a kid who as somebody who had done a lot of acting and had you know i think it helped me get taken seriously and also learn writing room writer's room dynamics which is like a you can't just walk in knowing how a room works and what to do and not to do it's like it's 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 something you have to learn you want to by the way if you can direct a pilot that gets picked up to series for a while that is that is a, the fucking golden egg because yeah. Oh, yeah. you get paid every, as you know. Forever, yeah. You, if you pick up, like, if you directed, like, you, know, you direct Cheers, James Jim, Jim Burroughs. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Jimmy Burroughs directs Cheers, and he gets paid for every episode of Cheers that it's gets sucks. made. He also yeah. did the pilot to Frasier. Yep. <laughs> B- B- Barnett has a very large house. Very large. Yeah, no, they definitely, um, yeah, that's a good gig. TV directing, it's funny, that was another thing as a kid. I thought, maybe I'm going to be a director. And it's funny, I never really pursued that. Writing was something that... And once I got into it, and it was really funny, because when I was in that first room, I, you know, I was the writer's assistant in the room, so it was my job to sort of keep everything take notes and keep it all organized you know and uh but so i wasn't like one of the guys and you know i wasn't one of the writers but i immediately felt like oh like these are my these are my people like this is what i should have been doing all this time because you know i i I really i came out of college and i i was kind of tired i had been working since i was eight and i didn't i was like not up for the next like adventure or whatever i just felt like you know, I was dating this girl, and her dad said to me one day after, like, I had been out of college for a while. He's like, "So, Scott, how are you enjoying your retirement?" <laughs> like, oh shit, I gotta figure something out. And so, and then, you know, pretty good. That, I'm nailing your daughter. Don't ever talk to me again. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, it's been it's been a long time now. I mean, I've written for a lot of shows, and it occurred to me the other day that I've probably been, I've probably produced more episodes of television than I ever acted in. Oh, which wow. is like a weird milestone. Because, you know, uh, it's definitely been more of a longer... I've been a writer way longer than I was ever an actor. And so how is the dynamic between... Uh, uh, basically, your wife is also a very successful writer. So mm. how, do you, how do you balance the dynamic between 
between writer couple. It's great. Well, first of all, it's great because the problems that come along with being a TV writer, like the stuff that you come home and want to complain about to another person who's not a TV writer, they would, they would, they would, it's, we relate to each other on that level, you know, but, uh, it's great. You know, we don't really, we don't really do, I, I briefly went into writing dramas. So we, she's a drama writer mostly. Mm-hmm. She's very, very funny. If she wanted, she started in comedy on your show, yeah. but then she segued into writing, you know, all the classic like WB shows like, uh, Dawson's Creek and she ran Everwood and shows like, you know, those sort of beloved from that sort of golden age of yeah. WB. And she, um, uh, and I've been mostly in sitcoms, but you know, but the truth is, is that it, being married to another writer is very good. I love bounce. We bounce ideas off each other. I was going to make that joke. I heard re, um, Danny DeVito once when he was on a show. When he back in the day when he was married to Rhea Perlman, and they said so. What show was it? Why am I segueing into this? But I, I was like 11 years old, and I thought it was the funniest joke ever. He said, "Had when you when you're trying to decide to pick a role, Danny, do you?" Uh, do you run it by Rhea? And he says, yeah, yeah. You know, I, someone gives me a good script that I really like. I go home and I lay it on her and then I let her read the script. Yay. And of course, I was 11. That killed me. Best joke ever. I was like, lay it on her. That means it. That means doing it. So, but, but, but no, but being married to a writer is fun. It's fun because we, you know, we can relate to it. Although she's been doing it. You know, she, was one, she had the exact opposite experience of me because I came out of college and I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought maybe they would hand me my starring role in a sitcom at the airport, but they didn't do that. And um, I had to figure it out. But, like, she literally graduated from college, drove to, like, the UCLA office for jobs, to the job board, and immediately started working at, like, age, you know, like, immediately. Like, knew what she wanted to do. Like, people who sort of know exactly what they want to do in life, I'm so jealous of. Because it's, like, it's sort of (laughs) smooth, you know. Like, there's a quote, like, life is very, it's much more successfully viewed from, like, a single window. And uh, it's, I, it's hard to, it's hard for most people to even know what they want to do. And I think that's, I, I, I think, you know, when you say, like, what do you, what is it that you want? People are like, I don't know, just more of something. But, mm-hmm. but it's very difficult to, for them to, to say, like, this is the type of job that would make me happy and I want to do this. And I, and I think if most people knew exactly what they wanted to do, it would be a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and it's funny cuz I there were there were kids that I went to college with that knew whether it was TV writing or some other thing exactly what they wanted to do. And you know, they hit the ground running right out of college and they pursued that and they're very successful at it and it's like it's amazing. It's like I I was so jealous of them because I truly didn't know exactly after, you know, all those years being a kid actor, I didn't know exactly what I wanted. I literally, I thought I, I was, I, I got into Columbia journalism school. I was going to go, I was made my deposit. I was ready to move. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like I chickened sure. out. Like I really didn't know. It took a while to sort of figure out my, my path. But now, I mean, I've been doing this TV writing thing now, you know, for more than 10 years and I've written for a lot of shows, you know, and uh, comedies and dramas and I love it. You know, right now I'm working on a musical that I love. You know, musicals are one of those things where, like, I have zero musical talent, you know, but I love musicals. So um, I'm writing on this show now with. Uh uh, that Alan Menken is writing all the music for. But he did the Ala- he did Aladdin. He did Aladdin exactly. Yeah. So, but you know, but now we see, he comes and we sit in the room and we come up with ideas for songs with him and the writing staff, and it's like incredible. You know, it's, it's amazing. It's really fun. But you sang in Aladdin. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't want to break your heart, Chris. But I, I just talked. Oh, you talked yeah. the song. That's yeah, right. yeah, I, ta- I and talked. I talked. Peebo Bryson. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Peebo was my singing double. No, actually, that, that I, I, 
I learned an important lesson as a kid. I went to an audition for this movie called Newsies, which is now a classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classic, classic. Love classic. Newsies. And um, I, I, I gave the audition of a lifetime. And they were like, that was great. That was perfect. You're perfect. Uh, can you sing and dance? I was like, no. And they said, well, thanks. See you later. <laughs> and then a buddy of mine got the part who couldn't sing and dance either, but he was smarter than me and said yes. And then they got Kenny Ortega, like the greatest choreographer in show business, to make him a dancer. You know? If you had just said yes, you might have been Batman. So exactly, yeah. had I only known, exactly. <laughs> you should I, have said, I can't dance, but please welcome the Pointer Sisters. Yeah. <laughs> Bert Backrack, come in here and sing for me. And, um, but then I learned, I was like, I will never say no at another audition. Let me just take like, 20 minutes to set up my Amiga computer, which I've hauled <laughs> yeah, yeah. in. <laughs> you can do anything. Uh, I can do anything. <laughs> you know, they promised me Can I get a grip those. over here? I need help. You never, <laughs> you didn't, you never get your Amiga? Uh, you know, they, they said they were going to give me one, and they never gave me one. So I, uh, I, w- I was like, for a long time, I, I was expecting it to show up in you the mail. You should get your Amiga to get another Amiga, and then you know what happens? You wish for a, an infinite Amigas. That's how that and, works. And then, that, then you just have Amigas Yeah, the Amiga forever. just replaces the genie construct. So, yeah, exactly. No, no, no wishing for more Amigas. What, you're, and you're not, allowed, you're not allowed to wish for infinite wishes? I think one of the rules, there were some rules. You can't, you can't make anybody fall in love. Right. You can't kill anybody. Right. Because then the movie would just be over. <laughs> <laughs> Kill that guy and make her fall in love with me, and, and and give me a million more wishes. No, and you couldn't wish for more wishes. You couldn't Those wish for more three, wishes. Yeah, Those are so. the three rules. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, listen, you can't. Couldn't you just say, I wish for the rules to not be in place anymore, but there was no restriction on not wishing? I wish for those to not be rules. Right. Yeah, that's actually, you know, I think Aladdin, the, the, I guess you, you could have tried genie to get loopholes. There were a couple of moments where he tricked the genie into giving him a wish. Like, he's, you know, he's like, instead of wishing to get out of that cave, he's like, I bet you can't even get us out of the cave. And then they get out of it. He's like, oh, yeah. And he gets him out, but it doesn't really count as a wish. I know, but I feel like that's violating genie code, right? Was, was yeah. he, was he a, how was he allowed to do that without it being an official wish? Uh, um, this is what I really want to break down and discuss. Today. Yeah, exactly. Let's um, really let's really get. I into have a it. complicated chart here and uh, <laughs> a lot of answers that I really want. The to wishing system. Do you know, it, it, you know, it's funny that movie. It really holds up. Like I have a kid, and I keep trying to get him to watch it, and he's just not interested. How old is he? He's five and a half. So he'll get. I feel like he'll and get a half there. is very important. I feel like he'll get there. Definitely. That's why I'm not pressuring. I'm not pushing it. You know, it's like he at some point he. I've showed him like clips on YouTube. Fire up the fucking Sega game. He'll love it. Yeah, we had a weird like moment. A we were. We, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. He's not into the video game so much yet. He's so little. He yeah. loves Better Call Saul. So, yeah, he <laughs> loves. He's like huge video breaking. games or cartoons. Yeah, he likes what Breaking Bad. But he no, he loves cartoons. But he's just not into like daddy's. Like yesterday, we were at a pizza place, and it was one of those pizza places with TVs everywhere, and every TV had me on TV and I was and we never watched Full House at home but I was like hey man, look up there what do you think and uh, he like looked at me and he looked back at the TV and he said that's you and then that was it like that was it <laughs> <laughs> you know and then on the way to school this morning I was like you know that's like weird right that not everybody's mommy and daddy was on TV and he's like yeah I know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he knows. Yeah, unimpressed kid. You're the school. one who took me to Shakey's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unimpressed kid is a great meme. Just like yeah. unimpressed kid. Hey, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, yeah. it's true. You can't impress a kid. Well, because they don't know what's impressive or not. You know, that's like somebody told me they were like, you could never take a little kid to a magic show because they never know what's the magic part. Like what's what's violating the laws of the universe. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't know. They're you have to that. teach them the laws of the universe first so that then they can swatch Exactly. They haven't been as around as long enough to know. Like, for all they know, rabbits just live in hats. <laughs> as far as they're concerned, when the blanket goes over their head, the world disappears. It does. Yeah, yeah maybe. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, it's weird. It's a very weird thing to have in your past. It's very unusual. My wife makes fun of me all the time, like, that I, she claims I didn't have a childhood. I think I did. And I wouldn't change it. It was unusual and weird. And I emerged from it like relatively 
relatively normal. Yeah, you seem okay. Normal-ish. Yeah. Normal adjacent. You know, you got a reg- You know, you got to get a good regular job, and yeah. it's, it, you're still doing. But you're doing something that you love, and it, I really, it's really fun. It's true. I have to say, it's really people make fun of me because I'll tell a story. I'm like, I w- we'll be on a lot, and I'm like, I, I worked on this lot, you know, like 25 years ago, and they're like, oh Jesus. Like, but it's never, it never gets old. Like I have to say, we were shooting an episode. I was on, I was writing on uh, Blackish last year after Gallivant was a short season. So then I went over to Blackish for the rest of the season, and we were shooting right outside of the studio where we recorded Aladdin. And it all sort of came together for me. I was like, this is really weird. I've been doing this a long time, and, but it's fun. Like, I never get bored with it. I love it. You know, I don't want to quit or retire. I just want to keep going. And, you, and like I said, you could be Aladdin forever. Your voice is exactly the same. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to keep doing it. As long as they call me, I'm going to do it. You know, it's really fun. And in fact, last year I was working in the building where they have this there's, this, there's a department called Disney Character Voices. And you would walk in there and there's a picture of me on the wall. And, it, you know, and it's funny because it's totally removed from my writing career. But it's fun that it's like sort of there. It's like this thing that I do sometimes that has nothing to do with my life right now. But sometimes it does. You yeah. Know? Well, you're kind of Disney royalty in a, in a weird sort of way. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, it's funny. They have this thing called Disney legends you know where they make you a legend if you've like contributed significantly to the company you become like a disney legend and they have this garden of legends with all these plaques on the wall and handprints and stuff so they must have like this big ceremony somewhere and i was walking there last year and i saw that they had linda larkin who's the voice of princess jasmine up there with this big empty space next to her. <laughs> I was like, Wait a What's happening? What are, like I, I started to feel like Rodney Dangerfield. You know, like, it was really. Uh, yeah, I was like, "What's going on? That they've got Jasmine up here." And but I said, "But clearly, they're reserving the space for me." So yeah. I'd walk to the Starbucks on the lot and stroll around, and I would. That would be sort of my daily exercise when I was working on because I've, I've been on the Disney lot for a few years now in different shows, and I walked by and I would be like, "There's my spot waiting for me." Shit. And then I walked by there the other day, and they put Dick Clark there. Uh, I know. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna. I don't know. Also, the fact they had to dig him up to get his handprints. Yeah. <laughs> they just well, he probably contributed more to like Hanna Barbera than he did to Disney. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, there were, and I, I emailed. They could have just put his hands up there, his actual hands. <laughs> they, uh, uh, but I feel like you got trumped because Disney princess. Disney princesses, May, you know, I think that's literally royalty. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. I didn't know because you know I have a son. I don't have a daughter, so like I didn't know the Disney princess thing is is gigantic. It's rabid. Oh my god, she works way more than me. She's always doing like the of princess course. videos and princess movies or like you know the kid shows where like one princess goes and hangs out with all the other princesses. Did they stay together, Aladdin and Jasmine? Did they? Did they, they totally stay? did because they got married. I think they have a kid in like the final in this final sequel, the one that Robin Williams came back for, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Was like the final, you know. They, they get together. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I think and it they, wasn't like now. It's just she's yelling at him because she can't find her bejeweled iPhone and getting a white Mercedes and <laughs> <laughs> driving an Americana. No, <laughs> sunset. What? Is yeah, this yeah, basically. <laughs> but yeah, I. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't. I, it's funny. I wonder how old. I don't know how old Aladdin is now. If they were going to make a new one now, that was sort of like part of that thing. I don't know if it wasn't like a prequel or something. It was like today. No. I don't know. I guess he would be. I don't know. I you know. I don't know. Well, he was probably he was probably what like sixteen, seventeen. When the movie, the movie came out, yeah, he was like my age. He was seventeen. I was seventeen. He was seventeen. Because like I think they adjusted it. You know, they he started off younger and then got older. They kept changing the cast. Like so now he'd be forty. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Aladdin's 40. Aladdin would be 40. He's driving like yeah. a Porsche and he's really yeah. has a lot of anxiety about like being sure. middle aged. It's an like, older Porsche that yeah. he bought from his first writing job. And, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I don't have a Porsche. I'm just saying it's <laughs> like, like the middle aged, like that's like the thing. Yeah, I'm like, saying you know, Aladdin would have a Porsche. Can, Aladdin, yeah, he's, he's having like a total midlife crisis. <laughs> I can show you the world, but we could just go online and see the same yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Gene, I know you don't work for me anymore technically, but um, I, need a, I need boners, man. Yeah. <laughs> I need, I need like, my boners. Listen, listen. Look, can you make my hair dark again? <laughs> can you bring me back to that? Can you give me that Aladdin hair? But uh, yeah, that there's nothing like that teenage hair. You know, people. That's like one people go. People say people recognize me, but I don't have the the Steve from Full House hair anymore. Right. I still have hair. Yeah. This is a radio thing. <laughs> this is not. I, I, don't be don't don't be don't be mistaken. But it does not look like a teenage like I'm on the varsity wrestling team. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a nice. The, the, the Amiga commercial was a very nice helmet of hair. It was I a felt. really was nice. A it was lush. It That's was where a, it's almost like t- teenage hair is almost like Lego. A Lego minifig where it just like yeah, it's just like this monolith. That, yeah, yeah, you put it. It's perfect. I always see like little uh, adorable Mexican kid baby, like the babies of of the Mexican uh, neighbors I have. Yeah, they they have two babies and their hair is just fucking like a Lego head just yeah, dropped on there. It's yeah. amazing. I you know it, my hair was such was such like a Neat like hair. a black monolith of hair. Like it was an incredible head of hair. And but on screen it looked like that. It looked just like I had a cat on my head or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember on Full House they would send me to somebody to put like streaks in the front. Cause well, cause like, so you could sort of see that it wasn't like a Lego thing on my head. Oh wow! So yeah, because it was so it was you know they would have you know so they well it actually was a phenomenon that started when because my zit medicine when I was a teenager would accidentally dye the front of my hair like I would put on my zit cream at night and wake up and have little blonde streaks in the front and then I stopped using that I must have switched to a different brand and they were like what happened your hair looks different and then they started sending me to somebody to put oh, wow. blonde streaks that's in so my fucking weird yeah like that's the kind of story I tell my wife and. She's like, your childhood was so fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, you did not have a childhood. It's crazy. And I always say I had one. It was just weird. It just involved zit cream, which all kids have to deal with. Exactly. But then you had to have streaks put in your hair. When so I stopped using the zit cream. When you stopped using the zit cream. Yeah. And it worked. Your skin looks amazing. Thank you so much. So it totally it totally Thanks a lot. Fine. You know, I, I'm very clammy. You know, I have to admit, I'm a little, like, this is not a normal, like, I don't do, you know, I, it's weird. I used to go on national, when I was doing Good Morning America, I'd be on live TV, like, you know, thank you, Charlie Gibson, and, you know, like, talking... Don't you mean it. you were like, thank you, welcome to the Metro? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bonjour, <laughs> Metro. <laughs> but, but now I... I'm, you know, I'm, I, still don't, I still don't think it was... Why? Worst. I don't know why, it, why it's so funny to me. <laughs> you know why? I'll tell you why. Because it, it was... It's, it, it was... It was uh, what was the expression you used to use? Like, it was, it was a lot of... Uh, uh, laying a lot of pipe. It was, laying a lot, it, was, it was a lot of pipe delay to get to just getting into talk French. Yeah. Okay, here's the scenario. But I'm just like, I, the part of me that finds it so funny is the part of me that would be so, like eating breakfast, watching Good Morning America, going like, why the fuck is this guy just welcoming me to the goddamn subway? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I don't even know if I could welcome people to the subway anymore if I tried in French. I, mean, I don't get to use it anymore. You know, there was a time I was on some show and it had like pretty regular hours, so I got like a French guy. To, I found a dude like online who would come and have lunch with me once a week and speak in French and I would like pay him for like an hour to talk French to me and oh wow him. That's a and it was great it was like he was a pro- <laughs> and then we would have sex together and, oh right I left uh, that part out yeah, yeah. yeah. no but uh, but it was great it's like my French was like it was on fire and then I haven't done that in a while so now it's sort of getting rusty 
again. I got to do. You mean en fuego? En fuego. My French was en fuego. That's French. That's the language you know. I think that's French. Fuego. I. You know what? I'm so glad that we're doing this because I. I was driving in my car once, listening to the podcast with you and Saget. Uh huh. The the first one, or because he's been on a couple times. Been on a couple times. And it was like it was so weird for me because we all used to hang out so much all the time. Oh yeah. And it was like being with you guys. Like I was driving and you guys were in the back talking. It was really weird. <laughs> which would which would have been something that happened because a lot we both needed designated drivers a lot. That's true. That's true. It was uh, yeah. It, it you know the way it would work is every night, almost every night for a period of time at about one a.m. You get a call. It's Bobby Saget. <laughs> Where are you? And then you go, well, I'm at Madison's. And you're like, I'll be right there. <laughs> uh, show up a lot of times with you. And then we would, we would hit all the bars. At, I mean, I'm glad we can laugh about it now. Because yeah, how did you do that, though? You only had an hour to go. Well, because, well, first of all, Saget. Uh, they would stay open for him. Saget had they don't like a golden out. ticket face because he was Bob. And so, yeah. you know, whenever he would show up someplace, people would lose their minds. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, places would stay open and like, we're going to shut the doors, but you guys can stay. And he'd be like, all right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I felt like it, it got weird one night where we ended up back at, after a bar, like at a fraternity house and we were <laughs> drunk. And it was, it's like, I can laugh about it now because the, yeah. the rest of our lives didn't unfold that way. Thank God. But at the time, what the fuck were we It was doing? crazy. Although, you know, listen, by the way, we were like in our 20s. What's Bob's excuse? Well, <laughs> we were <yeah>. kids. <laughs> Bob, 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 Bob didn't really have his 20s because he got married young and had three yeah, kids right Yeah, that's away, exactly so right. Didn't, it's you true. Know, and and I, I realized that this year I am the age Bob was when I met him. That's so, so funny. That, 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 that sort of that occurred to me the other. I, we, he and I got together. We had dinner the other night. Like, I guess it was a few weeks ago now, but it was like the, it feels like the other night. But basically, he like he had never met my kid before. So he came over to my house, met my kid, and we went to Musos, and it was like exactly the same. Where you walk into a restaurant, and they freak out for him. They freak out like like Elvis just entered. It's crazy what. He always says, it's amazing how famous I am. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's true, though. It's crazy. But, like, but, but it was really weird. And it occurred to me, it's true, that like now you know, he's always 20 years older than me. So it's like now I've known him for more than 20 years. So it's like I'm older now than when he and I became buddies. Yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah, so That re- math is so weird. So, it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. I mean, like, that's, yeah, that, that stuff freaks me out. But he, uh, you know, but yeah, it's true. We would hang out. When I was a kid, we would go out. My wife's like, wait a minute. So hold on. Tell me the story again. You're 17 at the House of Blues in some secret room that nobody knows about, and it's nothing but movie stars. I'm like, this happened. I'm telling you, this happened. And I'm sorry. You I don't... take her to the room. It's just a wall. Yeah. No, it was here. Yeah. It you... was here. I was here. You got to was... tear through the quilted wallpaper. The, 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 the password is Bob Sagan. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, that was it. Was a weird childhood. I remember was... being really. I remember driving down Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh, past Beverly Hills, being really drunk one night with Bob, uh, and just flat out going, seriously, how much money did you make when you were doing Full House <laughs> and Funniest Home Videos? And he was like, oh, I don't want to talk. And I go, please. And he told me, and it was pretty good. He did all right. <laughs> he did good. all right. Although, the, you know, the real, the real, you know, especially like, in those days. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I feel like because the next Full House was on this stage at Warner Brothers, and then the next show that took that stage was Friends, and thus began the era of making a gazillion dollars. Right. Instead of just a bazillion dollars. Right. You know, and, yeah, and and I think that, um, 
I mean, not, you know, everybody did fine back then, but I feel like now it's like you're on a show and it does okay. Like it doesn't get canned. Everybody gets crazy rich. It's crazy. I mean, that's very rare. It's, it's, it's more rare now than it, than it used to be like that Mm -hmm. era of, um, massive syndication. Yeah. That, that era of, uh, Seinfeld, Drew Carey, um, Raymond, Mm -hmm. like all, uh, Frazier, like all those were there. I mean, it's really only like Big Bang is the only sitcom I can think of. Maybe Modern yeah. Family, mm-hmm. where people really get the fu- a fuck ton of yeah, like, like million dollars a week. Yeah, ne- networks yeah. have really figured out how to sidestep a lot of that stuff. Like you used to have, you used to have quotes, and a quote was. You know, well, you know, I'm just telling for the podcast audience that you know it's like, well, you worked for this much money on this show, so your next show you have to get at least that or a little bit more. Yeah. And the idea of quotes doesn't even really mean much anymore because networks are like, well, we're, we're not just not paying. But you know, <laughs> this, this idea of this idea of how is the idea of pilot presentations affected writers? It's basically the way that networks have categorized. Getting people to do a pilot, but for way less money, they just say, "Oh, it's a presentation." Like, but it's a full fucking show. Yeah, like, it it's, takes just you're as just much calling work. it a presentation, so you don't have to pay everyone. It's as much. true. Although, you know, it's funny. I feel like, I mean, just from my in my from it seems like I haven't seen too many presentations happening lately. Like, it feels like there've been a ton of pilots. They've been buying a lot of pilots and shooting a lot of pilots, and you know, not necessarily picking up that money. Many things, but it feels like like I had friends last year with. Two pilots, three pilots, you know, it was, it was a crazy, it feels like they've been doing a lot of, it's a weird time for TV. It's a very, you know, I don't have to tell you, you're very like, you're way more media savvy than I am. But no, like, but I don't work in, you work in sitcoms basically, you work yeah. in comedy, so what, what's, what's the state? Well, of- the, the state to me feels like it's a, it quite, you know, I'm knocking on wood as I say this, because it feels quite good. Like when I first, you know, I, I told you about all that hard work I had to do to sort of like earn my way into a writer's room and like bringing people coffee and, you know, all that stuff. And finally I got there. Yeah, and you then, did a Scrubs I wrote that a means scr- you went in at the shittiest time. Ex- that's exactly right. I, and I had a com- there were no comedies. There were almost yeah. they were going away. Yeah. And I had a conversation with them because one of the producers of one of those shows was Warren Littlefield, and he said there have not been so few comedies since before we did Cosby Show, which was sort of like there was like another window in the early '80s yeah. where there were like two network comedies or something. So that would have been like the year that NBC decided to throw Jay Leno on at 10 o'clock. Yeah, it was like the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and basically, I, you know, my wife's a drama writer. She's like, dude, your career is just starting in TV writing. If you want to do this, you got to switch. you got to write drama because there's no more comedies. And, and, that, and that sort of helped me. That, I, I segued into writing dramas. And, um, and then fortunately in a few years, I, I did it for like five seasons to the point where I had been, I was more a drama writer than a comedy writer at that point. But I, I was able to switch back because now comedies are yeah. back. There's a lot of them. And, um, I was very, very lucky to, um, I didn't know if I was going to have to like, am I going to have to start all over again now that I want to go back to comedy? Am I going to have to go back to being a staff writer? Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, I was very fortunate that I got, you know, I, you know, it just worked out. I, I've been on a several in a row now. Right. Um, so yeah, knock on wood. But and is it uh, is it is it harder as a writer to work on something that you're not as enthused about than an actor? Like what what's what? Are you the know, I have to say, like I always got the, the the being in a writer's room is so fun and such a weird day. It's like you know you really just like go and hang out with people and sort of schmooze all day, and and then you'll work and you'll you know you'll it'll get intense and you'll break a story, and then the next hour spent making each other laugh, you know, because it's part of the process. You know, it's like anything creative, you can't just be like super focused all day because you'll you'll burn out. There's a lot of 
you know, telling embarrassing personal stories time. You know? <laughs> and, I see the guy who writes Vikings on the History Channel. One guy. <laughs> Oh, is really? that true? He writes every episode. Wow. My God. Don't, I hope that doesn't get out. I don't want people finding out that that could be done. That's not good for any of us. <laughs> no, no, no. I need a big so, staff. No, no. You need, you need at least like 15 people in the room getting free lunch. Vikings does it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. But uh, it's, it's really fun. And I, 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 I mean, I worked on, I've worked on at this point so many different, I mean, I was on, I was a writer on 90210, the new one, you know, the WB, it's CW1 for years. I wrote the 100th episode. That's a fun fact about me and my wife. What you happened? made 100 episodes? Yeah, more than 100. Yeah, but my wife wrote the hundredth Dawson's, and I wrote the hundredth. Did you tie them together in some ways? A love letter to Arena. So yeah, I, I made the I, I dedicated to Arena. No, I you know it was uh, it, that was a weird gig. That was not something that I sort of envisioned for myself that I was going to be writing for a show like that. But it worked, and it was fun, and it was an amazing. I mean, for a TV writer to get on a show and be writing, sitting, going to the same place, same show for four seasons yeah. is like doing twenty four episodes a year. It was and like it, it was a great gig. Yeah. I, I would imagine it's probably. And it probably wasn't like super heavy lifting. Right? I mean, it's not like I mean, you know, if, to be to, to be writing on a show like that is probably kind of fun because it's not you're you're not like it's not like Breaking Bad where you're like, how the fuck are we going to tie all this together? Well, that, that is true, but it's weird. You would it's you would think that, but it's weirdly probably just as labor intensive to make a show like that because it's so soapy with so many storylines and a huge ensemble. So we would have these whiteboards filled with story oh, but course. you know but but it was a soap so like you could end half the scenes with like ha- half the acts with like somebody finding out that they're being cheated on or whatever <laughs> so like it would be like off teddy reeling you know I, so, I, 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 I thought you were gonna say like so you could end half the scenes with people finding out something yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no literally it would be like or, or the over here was a big thing or like the walking in on something oh they're walking by so, lockers and they hear two people yeah like yeah like, yeah exactly and it, you know uh, we always used to joke because so many scenes ended with like off so and so reeling that we wanted to do a scene on a pier where someone was fishing and because <laughs> I don't <laughs> and then we could do off Teddy reeling. Reeling So but we never did it. We should have done it. <laughs> but it was fun. It was a great education, you know, like for me because there's there was so much story that like it became like story breaking boot camp. You know like sure. so now that I'm back in comedy where there's way less story um, it's much easier, you know, like breaking a story is like has become second nature, you know, and it's really fun. And, you know, for a 20 minute episode of television, it's like way less heavy lifting now. Yeah. And then so. how much are you, uh, I mean, I guess in the fucking around in the room, you're probably breaking stories that way, right? If you're like, Oh, this crazy thing. Yeah. Happened. Oh, you write that down. Well, the show I'm on now, Gallivant is so, well, Blackish was, Blackish is like, you know, anybody, you know, we were all, all of us have families and it was family sitcoms. So it was like one of those grooms where you're like, you know, my kid stopped using a nightlight and then he had a sleepover and the other kid needs a nightlight. And it was a huge nightmare, you know, and this, <laughs> you know, smash cut to an episode about like the twins. One wants the nightlight. One doesn't want the nightlight. You know what I mean? It was like that was my kids couldn't so, reconcile the fact that I was Aladdin. And yeah, uh, that's the problem when you have a really weird life. Yeah, exactly. But but um, uh, but the show I'm on now, Gallivant, it's sort of like a Monty Python esque show it's sort of like the princess bride meets monty python mm-hmm. and it's a musical so it's ridiculous like i don't want to like i, I don't want to get like fired for spoilers but we're doing a thing where like these um th- th- there's it's going to be like a big number where it's going to be like the sharks versus the jets but it's like the it's the uh, dwarves versus the giants and they hate each other and there's a whole song about let me tell you how we hate dwarves and here's why and we hate 
giants and you're and then they finally go to, to come together to rumble and find out that they're exactly the same size you know, like, it's, like, <laughs> just like, it's, like, it's like ridiculous that you know but they still hate each other but um who's you know, this for it's for it's on abc believe it or not it's a crazy i do sh- believe it because yeah. once upon a time of course i believe yeah, it. well that's exactly right they, they aired us well once upon a time has a mid-season sort of break mm-hmm. and for about a month so last year they aired we only did eight episodes and they aired us back to back over a month during that break for the same audience and uh, and then, but I don't know. Now we're going to do ten episodes this season. I don't know where they're going to air us or what the plan might be. That we might be on during the Once Upon a Time break, or it might be the summer show. I don't know. But and uh, you never have any desire when you're writing to like ah, I should just jump in front of the camera. For like I, I've a done minute. that a few times. I did a few times. On um, what I like about you, I came up with a character. And my boss goes, "Happy Hanukkah, you be the character." And, it ended, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I wasn't really asking for that." That's only but, one of the eight nights. Yeah, exactly. Well, but the, it ended up being a huge recurring. Um, and and then she gave me a bottle of scotch, and she gave me for the other seven. <laughs> but no, but uh, that that was weird for me. That was sort of like the dream that I always had that I'd be doing both, where I'd run to the stage to rehearse my scene and then run back to the room, you know. And that was like for the rest of that season. And then I did. Um, like on, on on the neighbors, I was on this show, The Neighbors. It was a weird show about aliens, like this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a really great show. I really I love it, and I miss it. But like in the season finale, uh, me and Candace Cameron, who played DJ on, yeah, House, of course, yeah. we like like these humans were moving into the neighborhood, and we we wrote me in as the, me and her in as the humans. That's and great. So and it was crazy. It got like tons of publicity, but then it didn't really save the show. Well, but, would you want to work on a show that was kind of more like the style of like? Like, you know, The Office or Parks and Rec, where, like, a lot of the writers are also on camera more often. Yeah, that would be incredible. I mean, for me, you know, it's funny. I don't pursue it. I feel like if that ever happens, that'll be one of those weird, fortunate things that happen. But I don't pursue it at all. I don't know why. I feel like I'm... I'm, uh, I never liked auditioning for things. I don't like... That was, like, my... My my Achilles heel, and it's sort of a big one if you're an actor, is auditioning. Yes. <laughs> it's the and worst. It's the worst. It's hard, and it's a totally different skill set than like acting. Of you course, know? if they would just give me the part, I would be great. But the audition, I, you know, you get nervous and you get inside your. The, the, the secret for me was not giving a shit about something. If I didn't think it was important and it had no leverage on me, I would nail it. So wow. like. Like those commercials, which helped me sort of get an agent into L.A. and sort of launch my whole career. Or like even Aladdin. It was just a cartoon. I had no idea it was a big deal. If someone like said, don't mess this up. This is going to be mm. like this huge. You're going to be doing this for like 25 years. Yeah, I literally would have just I would have just been in a flop sweat. And I would have been terrible. And, you know, but because I was, it was my after after work one day, I was on some sitcom and I had an audition after work for some cartoon. I couldn't care less, you know, and I nailed it for that reason. So... But um, so, but anyway, but that I, I'm never going to pursue acting as a career. But if I if it works out that way yeah. by accident, then I'll do it. Nice. Yeah. God, you should you should pitch something weird with you at the as the as the anchor. Yeah. You should you should be you the think? writer performer. Yes, of course. I don't know, man. Well, something well, something weird and creepy and dark. <laughs> where I'm, well, you know, they asked me. Uh, I don't have anything weird, creepy, or dark in, in the cards. But they did ask me to be on that new Full House thing. So I yeah, told them I would. The, you could do I that. Do I mean, that, that, but I mean, like something on your. Have you ever worked with Rena on anything? Uh, yeah. In fact, um, that's how I got into writing dramas. Nepotistically, she hired me on her <laughs> drama because she was like, 
sitcoms are going away. You are on a sinking ship, my friend. Come right for one hours. I was like, you know anybody with one? She's it's fun like, to watch a man <laughs> sleeping his way in there, huh? Yeah, exactly. I thought I was exactly. <laughs> Finally, a win for us. Exactly. Well, the funny thing is, so I was we, being we, we, no, me too. I was okay, at yeah, it. Yeah, we, <laughs> we weren't married at the time, but I was working at the show. But she, we were engaged. We, I think we got got engaged at around that time. And one of the editors, you know, like had a heart. Like, was like, I can't believe Rena's like, like cheating on her fiance with that writer on the show <laughs> like didn't know that, that was me uh, oh well that's when you have to play it up and pretend that you're doing something wrong in front of everyone yeah. else so. no it was you know it was one of those things where Men you know you're real you can't <laughs> <laughs> i uh it's weird you know television is one of those things show business in general is one of those things where you should never have any shame about being nepotistically aided by somebody because Everybody does it, and it's kind of the only way in. It's like it's like a fortress, and like getting through those walls, and so like getting into drama. You know, I was very fortunate that she sort of greased the wheels. I, I worked for her on this one one show, and then it went away. And then, but because I had that experience, they hired me on nine hundred two and which I ended up doing one hundred. Well, I don't think you know this idea of nepotism. Is it? I mean, it's something that people outside will whine about because they are being shitty and so it was like it. Mm-hmm. It, you, someone might be able to give you an opportunity, but you most of the time you have to put in the work and be good to keep a job. Like you can't. Mm-hmm. It's like the nepotism thing, unless unless it's like, oh, his father, uh, you know, owns the studio, and you have to like. The business doesn't it, do, it yeah. just doesn't care who's related to whom. That's or... absolutely true. I mean like getting in the the really it's all the only thing that nepotism could truly probably help you with is getting in the door. Getting an opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Which you could get an opportunity. I mean, you should any opportunity you can get, you should take. I I personally Then it's up to you to prove that you deserved I, it. But don't you I love helping my friend. You know, I mean, of like, course. now that I'm in a position where I can help people, you know, people are like, "Would you read this or give this to so and so or is there any give me notes on this thing or it's like my favorite thing to do." It feels so good and it's so easy. The only thing that's weird is that uh, is is when people that you don't know are like, "Hey, read this and tell me what you think." You're like, "You didn't even say please." <laughs> yeah, I don't no, it's know true. You. There is a weird etiquette to it. Like, you should never email someone like, "Hey, can you read my script?" and include the script because that's like you should always be like, "Can I read the script?" And then if they say yes, then you could send it along. Well, this is this is another one that's been driving me crazy, and this actually isn't with with those types of solicitations, but. Um, Someone will cold email me about a service because, you know, because of Nerdist. They'll go like, mm-hmm. uh, hey, you know, uh, it seems like your website could use the type of uh, traffic tracking that we, you know, that my company provides. Mm-hmm. And then I don't answer. And a couple of days later, just checking in to make sure you got that <laughs> first email. And I finally, like, by the, some, this one guy, like, the third time, I wrote back and I go, you are cold emailing me. If I don't write you back, do not keep poking me. Like, mm-hmm. I got it. I don't want you to keep like I think that's such a bad I think that type of persistence is a bad sales tactic because it's you, annoying. It is annoying. Yeah, that is annoying. Hey, you didn't ask me to email you this and I'm trying to get you to help me out. Uh just making sure you yeah, I fucking got it. Yeah, I, 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 that's really funny. I uh it's very yeah, I mean, I, I'm not in a, I'm not in a situation really where unless you have your own show, you can't really hire people. So, I feel like I always feel like that's the situation where there's a lot of pressure to Help people out, you know, when you can actually. I, uh, I have a friend who had a show that get, got canceled this year, and like he was most upset that like 200 people that worked for him lost their jobs. And um, well, that's the shitty part is that you are. I want to res- talk about your. I want to talk about your app. <laughs> you're, you're responsible for, uh, you know, being you're, when you're when you're responsible for a lot of people that the decisions that you make affect more than just yourself. Yeah, and I think that can be 
awkward. Yeah. So heavy is the head that wears the crown, which I don't wear, so it's okay. Do you want your? <laughs> but would you want your own? Uh, you know, I think I, I think I would. I, I would really like it. I think that um, you know, running. It's funny. That's why I have to say, my wife Rena, who I don't work for, just married to her, uh, is an amazing showrunner because she's like sort of like has all the skills that you need, which is she's a great writer, but also a great leader and a decision maker and a good delegator. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you need to be all of those things. And it you know, it'd be a cool challenge. Because I've seen situations where you get someone who's like an amazing writer and they get their show on the air and then they don't have any of those other things. Right. And it goes really badly. So it's sort of, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge challenge, you know. And, and, and also, when you're on a show and you don't run it, you go home at the end of the day and you leave the show at, at home, at yeah, work, right. you know. But if you're running it, you're it never ends. You know what I mean? Like you're always the approving wardrobe or whatever, or you know, reading other somebody else's outline or somebody else's script, and you know. But but I mean, I would love it. That's what I sort of what I signed up for. So if it ever happens, I'll gladly do it. You know, I think it'd be really fun. Is there anything you want to promote or plug or? You well, know, listen, you're... I hope everybody watches um, Galavant when it comes on. I don't know when it's coming on. Uh, but I hope you watch it because you're going to really love it. It's really fun. I'll tell you what. If you wanted to persuade them even more, I mm-hmm. think you should do a line from Aladdin and then plug them. Plug Galavan. <laughs> oh, uh, okay, hold on. In English? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Aladdin but, is uh, in the metro. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little stuffy today. I probably sound like Aladdin with a cold, but uh, <laughs> I don't remember any lines from Aladdin. Hold on. Wait, I got one. Okay. I have like my stock one. Beyond Carpet, Let's Go. Okay. Jasmine, I do love you, but... I can't pretend to be something I'm not. Is that it? Is that right? Then, then you're supposed to plug Gallivant. So, watch Gallivant on yeah. ABC. It's fantastic. And by the way, uh, the, the Aladdin uh, uh, Blu-ray is coming out, I think, on October 13th, 2015. So you should totally buy it. Blue like the genie. Pre-order yeah. that. Pre-order that Before thing. it goes back in yeah, the vault. Yeah, because they will put yeah. it back in the vault. They'll just but, take it away from it's you. It's true. I, you know, it's funny. It's really exciting because it goes away and then it comes back. Because whenever some new format thing, you know, it all of a sudden becomes like a big part of my life again, yeah. you know, talking about it. and um, Yeah. Maybe, you know, I'll come back and do this podcast again in like 20 years when it's like, <laughs> when it's like uh, out on bubble chip. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. When we're doing it, we're doing the bubble chip. Guys, yeah. pre-order it for only 40 Gleep Glarps. <laughs> exactly. On bubble chip. But I have to. This is really fun because I love your podcast and it was cool to be here. I I, I, I can't imagine anybody but me and my mom are going to find this that exciting. <laughs> but like, but I re- I love it. Don't worry. There's a lot of moms out there. There's okay. moms, and then Rena's going to listen to it. Rena's going to love it. I spoke very highly of her. Love love you, honey. Um, I mean, you, you know, you started uh, to talk about how boring it was to be in a marriage, yeah. but then you saved it at the. Oh, are we rolling? No, God, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm so. kidding. Rena I, is wonderful and brilliant and yeah, she's awesome. awesome. And so please tell her I said hello. You know, she's a huge... And when we lived, you used to drive by our house all the time. All the time. Because we lived on a busy corner in your neighborhood, and it was so fun for me to be like, Hey, Chris, come over and meet my kid. Come well, on. Really your neighborhood, really. Our uh, neighborhood. Our neighborhood, yeah, yeah. Which which is still our neighborhood. But, yeah. You know, but now we both don't live where we lived. And, you, and your house was my favorite up. house on that street. Your Can I tell you? was the most picturesque... Perfect little picket fence house. I'm not kidding. We used to live a block away from that house and called it Favorite House. And one day I was driving by and there was a for sale sign outside that house. And I texted Rena, Favorite House is for sale. <laughs> and that's why we lived in that house because we, right. fa- we bought yeah. Favorite House. But then that you sold Favorite House. Then we sold Favorite House. You know, well, favorite you know, house. when you have a kid and stuff, there were like we needed, there were things, you know, like it didn't, it was like an amazing house. And I sold it to a friend of mine who was always like, I'll buy it. Yeah. You know, but, um, but like we needed a bigger backyard and stuff like that. And, and a jail cell. So, yeah. 
we needed a dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but love that neighborhood. We stay it's still there. And you and I, we have to go get that coffee sometime at the neighborhood hipster coffee. We're joint. gonna go down to hipster coffee. We'll, we'll put on those those uh, what are those things called? Those Trilby? knit scarves that they oh, wear. Yeah, knit scarves and, we'll and, a, go, yeah. and a beret and uh, <laughs> walk down there and yeah, cat talk about the old days uh, hanging out at Madison's. I don't remember. You know the funny thing? I don't remember that place. I don't remember Madison's. That's where we spent a lot of time. By the way, that that's that speaks to that time in my life that yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was no. right on... Um, Which one was that? It was right on... Uh, fuck! What was the name of the street? Broxton, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was, it was, like, by the UCLA campus. It was right, it was by UCLA yeah, campus. Yeah, yeah. So it's the street that bisects the, fo- the the two main movie theaters. In yeah, totally. Boston, it was like a, really? kind of almost a walking street, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, the street from the Gypsy by Cafe. By the parking lot. Where we used to start, where yes. we used to do open mics at the Gypsy Cafe, right next to the Fox and the Bruin that Theater. leads to the mm. Fox Theater. Yeah, totally. And then, and then we'd go, a lot of times it was... Um, you know, Saget would do a set at the Laugh Factory, and yeah. then we'd either we'd either go hang out at the Laugh Factory or go uh, or hang out with him at the bar next to the Laugh Factory. That was so fun, you know, because I'm not a comedian and I wasn't like part of like comedian culture. So like for me, going with you guys to like the club and hanging out and like you know complaining about life with fellow comedians was so much fun. Like that was seeing people that ended up blowing up, becoming huge comedian, you know, comics and performing in those tiny little but rooms. Then of course, he was still he was also still hanging out with Norm Macdonald and Lovitz. And yeah. so they would just be at the table, and then I would, I would always be too nervous to really say anything because yeah. I just didn't have any. Yeah, it's true. I, yeah, same thing. I remember he'd be like, "We're just going to pick up my friend Norm on the way," and I'd be like, "Norm, Norm I know McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, for me that was a lot of fun because uh, you know I never that you know I was more of a fan than a participant in that stand-up stuff. Well, I hope to see you on uh, the Full House reboot as potentially uh, another person that DJ murders um, as, as this <laughs> as, unfolds. As their next victim. Yeah. I mean, I really think, I think that'd be... That hard. would what be if amazing. It, what if they found out it's Uncle Joey who's uh, cutting the brakes in the cars because <laughs> he doesn't have anywhere to live. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that, listen, it could go that way. It's Netflix. It's not an, on a network. They could do anything. I mean, you know. the, the important thing is that there's no way she can afford to live in San Francisco. <laughs> I, I, that's a, I don't know. Are they going to put that set back up and she still lives in that house? Like, I feel like, I feel like nostalgia is probably going to play a big part of that. I don't know. I don't know anything about oh what the, my God, what the plans are. You, you know, I have She's to gentrifying touch. Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> they, <laughs> they had asked me. They said, do you want to come on and be one of the, like, sort of develop, like, be part of the creative team? And I thought, well, that would be sort of cool because it would unite my old career in of my course. current career but I mean I, I was obligated to two other shows like I couldn't ask like, I, I couldn't leave the other shows I was on but um, it was kind of a neat it was first of all it was hugely flattering that they asked and like it would have been a cool opportunity but uh, I think th- you know they said would you still come on and act on the show and I thought, you know, I said absolutely. So, you know, put, check it out on Netflix. I hope there's an urn on the uh, mantelpiece with Comet in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think Comet, Comet should still be alive. Uh, but just like barely. Comet, like they, have to, uh, they force it to stay alive with drugs <laughs> and, Comet, it, and it yeah. just wants to die. Has hip dysplasia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they just keep pumping him full of cortisone. And he's just dragging around Woody the Woodchuck. <laughs> shoot to it. That's really funny. I wonder. I don't know. You're, I don't know what it's. People are asking me like crazy out there. Twitter. They're all going nuts, you know, in the Twitter thing, you know, asking me. But I don't know. I don't know anything about the show. All right. Other than we'll come back when you do. I'll, the only thing I know is that they asked middle-aged Steve to come back 
My, by the way, my mom just moved in with her boyfriend and dumped all these boxes on me from her house, and I found Steve's jacket. Uh, oh uh, shit! In mint condition. You still have to. You have to keep. Oh, you have to be God, wearing I it in the show. And you, you, you know, drives the, a Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> Let the, go, Steve. It never grew up. Never. And by the way, my wife was like, "That's a cool jacket. I'll wear that jacket." I was like, "Honey, take care of this jacket. It's this. This should be like in the Smithsonian." She's like, "Should be a planet no, Hollywood." No, it should. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe a planet Hollywood in Reno. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, anyway, this is really fun. Guys. Thank you for I'm being here. It. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. And uh, maybe we'll let you sign off the podcast this time. Um, I know what you say because I'm a big fan. What? Um, enjoy your burrito, everybody. God damn it. Hey. He knows. Bam. On the Metro for Good Morning America. <laughs> exactly. Au revoir. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.